We have a guest speaker today. I want to, Dave, go ahead and begin to make your way up, see if we can get your mic and all that good stuff. I want to hurry and turn it over to him so he has plenty of time. Many of you will remember Dave and Janet from when they attended here. They've since, yeah, there you go, feel free. They've since moved uh, up to where they have winter. And, uh, but uh, they are back down. We still continue, if you pay attention to uh, our mission support, we still continue to support uh, the missions organization that Dave runs monthly. Uh, he's all over the world, but mostly in the Philippines and in uh, India. And uh, it's, it, I'm not going to tell you a lot about it because I think he's going to tell you more about it. But um, what I love is Dave's been doing ministry in all over America and all over the world for uh, decades. And uh, I, if I had to sum him up in one word, I'd say passion. He's passionate for Jesus. He's passionate for the word. He's passionate for the lost. And uh, so you may catch a little of that today. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn it over to Dave, but it looks like Janet may want to say something too. I think I do. I just wanted to greet you all and tell you what a joy it is to be here with all of you. We lived here, for those who don't know, uh, Tony kind of covered it, but um, we moved here in 2012 and moved back up to Pennsylvania in 2017 when I had an aneurysm in my brain, and um, life has been different for us ever since. But the work of God still goes on, and uh, and. Dave is going to share about that, too. So I just want to bless you all in Jesus' name. <laughs> Amen. Thank you, Jim. You're good. Praise the Lord. What a nice way of saying that he's old. <laughs> all the things he was saying there. Hallelujah. Dave Roach, the old man. Ah. But God is old too. He's the ancient of days. I think ancient's old. What do you think? Old but ever new. Well, we could preach on that, couldn't we? Praise God. Well, we're going to give you a little update on the ministry first. And uh, hopefully um, we make sense to you. I got to find my things here, but uh, I won't need them, uh, but what we are, we're looking at um, in, in our ministry is, first of all, I want you to know, we started going to the Philippines in, in around 2000, so we've been there now, what, 22 years, and we went, first of all, as I was traveling there, I was actually going and uh, speaking to, in leadership conferences, teaching leadership. Um, it's almost like the blind leading the blind, but we were over there doing the leadership conferences and we, uh, had a good time. And then we were working with YWAM. I'm sure some of you are familiar with youth with a mission. And then we were teaching, uh, discipleship training schools. We were doing different courses and even that we did around the world with YWAM. And we thank God for that opportunity. But while we were there, all of a sudden, I began to build relationships with different ministries. And as you build relationships, then all of a sudden, they start giving you invitations to come and to speak and to do. So in the Philippines, we were doing more and more. And you may think that this is just news, but I want you to know that what you sow, you reap. 
How many of you know that just what I said to you is full of the life of God? Because what you invest your life in is what you're going to produce. And when you don't invest it in anything, you produce nothing. But all of you will produce something. So what I'm saying is as we were sowing over there and doing, the, the God was then able to, to, he brings the increase. God does. So all of a sudden, God looks at your life and he begins to increase your life. He begins to increase his favor from others and things. So we began to move beyond, you know, just working with things. And God said to me, I want you to um, uh, start feeding children here and uh, feed my children, feed my kids is what I heard the Lord say. So while we were there, again, I, I, you know, I thought, well, Lord, I'm already feeding your kids. You know, we're over here doing this thing. And the Lord said, no, I'm not preaching. I'm not talking about that. And he just showed me the street children. And I just began to get a heart for street children. And we began the ministry of food for life. Again, that's the increase that God produces. It was a whole different branch that God began in our ministry. So food for life went from about 50 children. And I won't tell you how all that started just for time. But now it's, over, it's up to about a little over 4,000 children that we get to minister to in the Philippines. We're on Mindanao Island, the southernmost island, and it's the island that's the most uh, disruptive. You know, um, there's a lot of Muslim activity there. There's different things. There's ISIS. There's the Abisad, all these things. But, but so far, they've not been, uh, you know, in, come and disrupt anything we're doing. And, the, and I really believe that's why God said start feeding my children, because guess who we were feeding? Muslim children. And we began to gain access into the Muslim community's favor. And we didn't come there to try to, you know, to tell them uh, that they had to leave their religion immediately, you see. But we never, ever shrunk back from teaching the gospel. God gave us wisdom. Actually, we began to teach out of the Old Testament. Because if you know anything about Islam, they still follow the Old Testament. You know, so we just began to teach their children, you see. All about how to honor their parents. <laughs> That's one of the commandments. In case some of you young people don't know that yet. You know, I don't know if they're still teaching the commandments, you know. Yes, amen, amen. Amen, let me get down here and say that right here. In case you don't know it. Praise the Lord. But anyhow, so we got access to the uh, community that way in favor. And then some of the mothers and, and then even the fathers would come and ask us about Jesus, who is Jesus. And we would share with them about this great God that we serve. And many Muslims now are a part of our ministry, except they're not Muslims anymore. They're Christians. That's increase. And then as we were doing that, the Lord began to say, now I'm 65, this is years later, 2016, I think. I'm 72, you guys can do the math. Okay. Um, I want you to start church planting. And I just said, Lord, I know you guys are, are, are agreeable with God. But I'm, I don't know if, I've never been agreeable with God. <laughs> it's like, yes, the shake me up a little bit, you know. 
So uh, I said, Lord, church planting is a young man's job. <laughs> I've done church planting here in the United States. I've, I've begun churches, you know, and it's, it's a lot of work, Lord. You need to get young men. So the Lord just spoke to me and said, I want you to go and start a, a, a church planting conference, do a church planting conference, and teach people how to plant churches. So we went over and we did this and we had 50 people come together and the Lord gave me a strategy uh, of what he wanted to do where we would use clusters of people, five people at a time and send them out as a ministry team. And they would all have different giftings. So we taught that and then we taught them how to create a culture. A culture to, of, of no matter if we planted a, uh, a few churches, that the, the churches were the same. They weren't looking different. You understand what I'm saying? When they walk through the door, they, you know, if you are in one church and then visit another one, it isn't completely different. The culture, the, the atmosphere, the teaching was all in unity. It was all in one. So anyhow, we began to teach, and I, I felt like, you know, we start 15 churches out of that, that conference that we did. And uh, we did. And then we went, actually, and planted a whole lot more above that. And now we have over 250 churches since 2016. And all it is is God. Yeah, people come and say, how do you do it? How you did? You know, you know, and I'd say, I don't know. <laughs> and it's the truth. It's the truth because I've just been asked to do things and argue with God and then say yes. And then God does it. So we have 250 churches. We also started a church in India, which now we believe India is the, our next major thrust. And I really believe that God wants us to go to India and begin sort of like the same pattern over there, but it'll be different because we need to hear from God again and have the strategy for India. But I believe the reason we need to go to India is because our plant, church plant already over there grew and then of course you had COVID and it comes and the poor people, you know, many people in India died and had, had a lot of COVID and um, our church was about 300, then it got down to about uh, 60 you know, because of all the problems. It wasn't just the COVID, and they lost their businesses. You know, they lost everything because the government shut everything down. And they had to go home to their other providences and go back to their families and, and cluster together and support each other that way. So now the church is about 60. But now our pastor, because of the persecution that's happening from the Hindus, and it's actually sanctioned by the government, has just been removed from his home because he rents from a Hindu. And no other Hindu will rent to him in that city. So we've been praying about that, and I just felt like the Lord was saying, well, this is just like the book of Acts, David. It takes persecution to get people out of their comfort zone. You know? So I said, I see it, Lord. I hear what you're saying. So now we're sending this, this man. Our church plant will stay the same. We have additional leadership there. We're lifting him up, and we're sending him to Vijawada. Vijawada happens to be the capital of the region that he'll be living in. So now we're going to be in the middle of the government. Isn't it funny how God always goes to the places that have trouble? Wherever there's great darkness, it's like God is drawn there. Think about it. And the light, the light, 
He wants to bring the light. He has a heart for the broken. He has a heart for those that have been, you know, just their lives have been just, how do I even say it? So fractured, you know, that it's like Humpty Dumpty. <laughs> Who's going to put them back together again? And we go and we say, Jesus. Jesus can put Humpty Dumpty back together again. And he does it. So now we're, we're in India. We're, uh, the only problem of going there is financially, it's just everything costs more. You're not the only one that's experiencing inflation. It's all over the world and shortages. So anyhow, we're now in the process of looking for a place for our church planter to go, and he has to be out of his home in about 11 days. So, and he has two children and 10 girls that he's taken off the streets that have been abused and used, street trafficked, and uh, thrown away as garbage on the side once they were no more useful. And our church plant takes them, took them in, housed them, take care of them, educate them, you know, giving them a future and a hope. Did you ever hear that before? Yeah. yeah. Just living the word, guys. Just living the word. That's what God is asking you to do. Will you live my word? You know, just live my word. And you'll be amazed with what God will do through you and in your life and in your family. Because he's a good God, a great God. I mean, and uh, you know in Corinthians it says not, he doesn't choose many wise or with all the great giftings and everything. And it's true. It's a truthful. He says there's a few that he does. You know, Tony was one of them. You know? But me, I was out of there. You know, I was, I was a street boy. Raised on the street, street corner. You know, drafted at 18. Sent away overseas. Come back, strung out on drugs, the whole thing. And God chose me. Redeemed me. Called me by name. Called me. And there are people here that are sitting here today that, that God's been calling you, calling you to do something. Calling you by name. He isn't just, he isn't just suggesting like generally to a whole group. Specifically, he has spoken to you. And you've been ignoring him. But you've been ignoring him by justifying things like, like I do. I'm too old <laughs> to do that. Or, you know, well, you know, I got this happening and, and this person's sick. And, you know, I got all these things. We can give God a million excuses. But, you know, the calling and gifting of God is about repentance. And when God calls you, he doesn't change his mind. He just keeps knocking on your heart. He keeps coming back. And even today, I believe that God's going to knock on some of your hearts. I believe he already is. He's reminding you. He's reminding you. I have a friend who uh, I'm just going to use the time I have in any way God tells me to go. So I have a friend of mine. Uh, he's now passed away, died of cancer. Big old Marine. And, uh, but our church, we sent him to the Phil uh, Philippines before I ever went. And he took a youth group with him. I was the pastor of that church. And when he went to the Philippines, he, he had trouble getting in. And they actually had to, uh, there was all kind of stuff going on. And so they actually had to put him in like an airplane hangar with the kids. And they had to stay there and do all this stuff. And in the meantime, 
God began to use him miraculously wherever he went. And he was actually prayed for people and their eyes were opened and were blind. Yeah. Saw miracles, came home. <laughs> how, many, how many of you know when you see that and it's, it's, it's you that's getting to be, participate in that, you talk about passion? Oh my goodness. He came home like, you know, zealot of zealots, you know, and he's ready to pack his bags and go back to the Philippines. And you know, it was the call of God for his life. God had anointed him. God had a place for him. God has a place for you. God has a place for you, young people. I'm going to speak a lot, maybe just throw that out there, young people. For you old people too, but you young people need to know this. God's got a future, a plan, a hope, a design, a pattern, a purpose. And it's not general, it's specific. It is like a scalpel. God, God in you. <laughs> Think about that, that's exciting. God in you. And you say, me? That's what I, you know, same way. Me, I'm nobody special. In fact, most of you never heard of me. Think about that. I'm no big name. But God wants to use you, and he has a plan for you. Amen. So anyhow, this man, let me get back to my rambling. This man, a uh, good friend of mine, uh, his, when his wife said, we got five kids. We can't go. You know? I got, we got a job, we got this, you know, I wanted, you know, we, and she had all these desires, and, and then, um, but him being a Marine, think about that, 20-year Marine, too, he, he got out, uh, he spent his whole life there, half of his life in the Marines, he's adventurous, he's ready to go, but he submitted to his wife, and he stayed home. Now, I'm not saying men shouldn't submit to their wives, the Bible says we submit to one another, but I am going to tell you this. When he died, he died in regret. He didn't die unhappy. He didn't die, you know, like angry or mad. But there was a part of his heart that was not complete. And he'll tell you that. Oh, he would have told you that. You know. He, he re there was a regret that he never stepped into. That, that, that he, he could imagine maybe what the ministry would have been like. What they could have accomplished what he would have seen and who knows where else where the Lord was taking him and you do not want to live your life and come to a to the end of it with regret you want to leave here fulfilled because God is a fulfilling God he wants to fulfill every desire you know that he has created for you I love the verse where it says if you delight yourself in the Lord he'll give you what Desires of your heart. Because if you delight yourself in the Lord, that means you've opened your heart up to God. Surprise, he says, I have some desires for you. And then he plants his desires in your heart. And because you were delighting in him, you didn't even know it. You think they're your desires. And now you're becoming full of God's desires, right? And God says, I'm going to give you that desire, the desire of your heart. That's what he wants to do today. He wants to give some of you your desires. Desires. You know what's the biggest thief of desires today? Wounded people. Bruised hearts. 
Hmm. Anger. Deep down. I mean, this is God right now. God's speaking to some of you. And God wants you to know that he sees your anger. He sees your resentment. He knows. uh, I'm just going to say this word. The abuse that some of you have had. And you are feeling. The last thing you want is, is a God who's allowed you to go through some of the stuff you've been through. But I want you to know that if you will just give God a little chance today, he'll help you understand that he wants to heal you. He doesn't want to, to keep you in that position. He wants, he wants to create in you a new heart. Uh, you know, he wants to deliver you from all the, the garbage. He wants to come and cleanse this out with, the, with his very own personal love. He wants to, to come and demonstrate to you that he is a father of fathers. And the father that might reject you or the father that might speak evil about you in your own ears or, or you feel that way, it's maybe he wants to come and speak over your life hope. He wants to speak over you a future. He wants to speak into you a love that's so deep and real that even as you hear it, you break under it and you'll be washed by his love. You will be saturated. You will be drunk in his love. And for the first time in your life, you will feel the value of who you are in Jesus Christ. And then you, as you feel it, all of a sudden, hope is what comes arise in you. Hope starts beginning to get birthed in you. And hope produces freedom. Freedom to become. Freedom to become the son and the daughter of God. That's what he wants to do for some of you. I've watched this happen to, to thousands of people in the Philippines. When we come, we come and we bring them the truth, though. We bring them the truth. I want you to know that God is love, and that's the truth. But, you know, love without truth is the world's love. Truth without love. Is the world's truth. Truth and love walk together. But it's truth that sets you free. It's love that draws you to the truth. And then when you hear the truth. And you receive it. You allow truth to do its work. It sets you free. But when you only want to serve the God of love. But not the God of truth. You will remain in your bondage for the rest of your life. There will be no freedom for you. That doesn't mean you can't get saved. It's just that you will remain in the same mindset and frame of mind that you had when you were in your struggles, you know. <laughs> I'm probably not saying it correctly, but I just want you to hear that today. You need to hear both. You need to have both operating in your life so that you can become. You can't become if you're not free. We go and we talk to the Filipino people who have lost everything. Not once, not twice, not three times. Many times all, the, all their dreams are just shattered instantly. They have no hope. It's like they have no destiny. They have no future. And then we come and we share this Jesus with them. And then the Holy Spirit comes. And he doesn't just come and, and, and uh, um, you know, like a presence. He comes like a, 
like a, an ocean. <laughs> and all of a sudden, it's like the wave of God comes. And I've seen it not once. I've seen it many, many, many times where thousands of youth will just, it looks like a river goes through them. I have pictures of it. And it looks like a, a wave came and, and, and it's just like a, a river. It creates a river. It creates a river of, of bodies that have been washed, knocked down in the grace of God. And they're laying there shaking and they're speaking in tongues and they're loving God and weeping and, and just being filled with God. And they get up totally different. And all of the hurts and all of the things that they've experienced and, and done, it's, it's, a, it's sort of washed away. And then we come and we help them. <laughs> I'm sorry for some of you. There's a few of you here today. I'm just going to say this because I said truth will set you free. I just told you that story and I mentioned how they'd be laying on the floor shaking, making and all that was okay. But when I said speaking in tongues, some of you went, he's one of them. <laughs> And as long as you say he's one of them, because when you say, and if I say it about other people and some things, you know, oh, he, mm, different camp. What we do then is we block out the grace of God for that which God wants to do at that moment. Because you got to believe. God calls you to believe. You see, it's belief that brings you to rest. You know, unbelief never brings you to rest. It brings you to contention. I want you to hear that. Unbelief brings you to contention. It keeps the body of Christ. But when you begin to believe together, when you begin to just believe God, just let God be God, you'd be amazed at the rest you have huh, that he creates in you. Praise the Lord. So anyhow, I'm still telling you about our ministry, right? So we, 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 uh, we have the feeding programs. We do all that. We're doing all that in India. You know, so please pray for India. We have a, a feeding program that we've begun for um, children and um, widows in Pakistan. We've just started that for the past year and a half. Yeah, so pray, pray for us about Pakistan. Because once you sow a seed, you know, we're asking God to bring what? Increase. So we don't know what God's saying to us there yet, but we're involved in Pakistan right now. A couple months ago, there was a, a typhoon that hit Leyte, the island of Leyte, which is off the island that we, we do our ministry, and 450,000 people lost their, lost their homes, lost everything. I was in Leyte a couple years ago, back about five years, well, maybe a little longer, 10 years ago, and we were there because a mudslide came down and destroyed the city. You know, a whole community, a small community, small city, about 3,000 people. It was only like a handful that lived. The mudslide came like a river. 450 children were buried in an elementary school like that. Lost their lives. And then we had to go and minister to them. We went, we took food, we took... But mostly what we did is we listened when they wept, we wept. We held them. We... I can't help you. It's, it's almost like you have to be there to 
to experience it for help people understand. I can't help you understand. But some of those people that survived were moved to the top of a mountain by a government on the island called Leyte. Now this typhoon just came and destroyed their whole village 10 years later. Same people. So now what we're doing is we've gone back up and we've, we're rebuilding their homes, planting, giving roofs. We took them a ton of food and trucks and everything. We, we went with about $15,000 worth of building material. It's a lot over there, $15,000. And, uh, and I'm sharing this so you know what your investment's doing. This is what you're doing when you uh, give money to, to the church for One Life Ministries, Food for Life. I could show you pictures of hundreds of people being baptized. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. Because we have 250 churches that are baptizing people every week. Yeah, I, I want you to hear that. So that's who we are. We're One Life Ministries. <laughs> and uh, we're trying to do the work of God and the grace of God. And uh, I wish I was more uh, able to share with you what I feel um, God is accomplishing there. I just got a phone call today. Oh, by the way, we sent our first missionaries there. They just got in country four days ago, five days ago. Already on the ground, work, work, working. And we got a three-year commitment from them right now to be there. We were waiting two years to get them in because of COVID. The country was shut down. The, uh, two days before they were catching their plane, the Philippines closed. They had already sold their homes. They had already sent their furniture. <laughs> so their furniture was sitting in a house that they were renting for two years, waiting for them. And they just got in. Uh, so it's Michael and Tammy Nauman, so pray for them. That they're there now and they're really getting going forward. And uh, praise God. Can, can I really just talk to you? What I feel God's saying. I'm going to get to Exodus. Uh, I'm supposed to stop at what time? You said? Quarter after. Yeah, we, we're, we're good. I mean, I don't even care about Exodus. Because I want you to know more about how good God is. and how, You know, um. I just want to talk about my missionaries for a couple minutes because uh, I wouldn't have sent them. I wouldn't. You know, I get, when I was around them and all this stuff, good people love God, but, you know, I could see all the flaws. I could see that this and this and that, and I would have never sent them if I had to choose who to send. And I knew I'm 72. I know I need to get more people in country. I need to, we need to start this transition, you know, where I'm, I'm John the Baptist. <laughs> you know, we got less and less and less, and we need more of others uh, just handing things over going forward. Uh, and I was praying about it, and the Lord said to me, Michael and Tammy, you took them there, They've experienced it, and I've birthed in them a heart for this people. You're looking at all the outside. You're looking at all the, you know, the talent and how they, how they handle themselves, and maybe one talks too much, and maybe one doesn't talk enough, and the whole thing. You understand what I'm saying? Because, you know, I'm sending them, I'm looking for these perfect missionaries that, that you know, you know, that have been, 
hammered out by my chisel, you know. Yeah, this is who they, this is, this is who we're sending. And God gave me their names. And then God gave me a vision of who they are on the inside to him. And then he gave me a vision of what they're going to accomplish while they're there. And I've never changed my mind. All this time went by, you know what I'm saying? And as people would say to me, are you sure this is the right couple? I would say, I am absolutely sure. <laughs> you know, you, you don't look back, brothers and sisters, once God speaks. Amen. And the temptation is to look back, just like Peter I stepping out of the boat. The temptation, he gave into it. And guess what? He sank. Why did he sink? Was it, a, was it just a lack of faith or did... You see, when, you, when, you, when you're not moving in faith, what you've done is, young people, you've stepped off the Word of God. And it was the Word of God that was supporting them. He, God said, come. And he stepped out of the boat on the Word of Jesus. He trusted in the Word of Jesus. The Lord said to me, send. Now, and the most stupidest thing I could ever do in my life would be to step off the Word of God. And listen to my own understanding. His ways are my ways. His thoughts are higher than mine. Okay? I know you know all this stuff. I'm just reminding you. Praise the Lord. Okay, so now we'll get to the sermon. Come with me to Exodus chapter 6. I've been teaching uh, out of the book of Exodus for, I don't know, eight, ten weeks. And I'm up to, I think, chapter 15 now. But I want to go to Exodus chapter 6. And if you can put it up there on the screen, it's probably already there. See that? You don't even have to tell this crew what to do. They got it going. It says, then the Lord said to Moses, now you shall see what I will do. Everybody say, I will. will. Look at somebody and says, say, he will. Ah. Yeah. That's that's what's happening here. And today we're going to just keep walking on the, 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 the understanding of God will. Uh, I mean, I struggled with what I wanted to speak here about. You know, if it was me, I'd take you to the book of Amos. You can go home and read Amos, and you're going to be saying, thank God he didn't go there. Because, <laughs> man, Amos was on, was on fire, let me tell you. But not the fire that you probably would like or I would like. All right, verse 2. He says, um, And God spoke to Moses. Who? Who spoke to Moses? I didn't think God spoke to people. I thought he was a silent God. I want you to know that if anybody tells you that God doesn't speak anymore, that's a man you don't want to listen to. I want you to run from him. Amen? God loves to speak to his children. He's a father. How many of you fathers don't talk to your children? I'm not talking about when you're mad at them. I'm talking about how many of you don't ever talk to your children? You, you, you know, you have an enjoyment of talking to and with your children. 
And God wants to speak to you. So God spoke to Moses. And where, where was Moses? He was out in the wilderness. He's taking care of sheep. Amen. He ran away from God. Well, his calling, not so much from God. And the only reason he had to run away is he tried to do it in his own strength. You see, God was already calling Moses, if you understand this story, when he was in Egypt, back there in Pharaoh's house, and he was looking out and seeing the punishment, seeing the things that were happening to his people, and so something inside of him began to stir. There's things that are, when, when you feel the stirring inside of you, you need to give attention to it. You need to not walk away from it. You need to give attention to it. God may be speaking to you. Don't run from it. Just sort of stand still and let's see what God's going to do with it. I didn't say you had to run and sell everything you have and, and take off to Europe. You know, don't go to the Ukraine tomorrow. Just be still and see what God's going to do. And God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. How many of you know God's the Lord? He's Lord. What does Lord mean? Somebody want to help me? Come on. You guys are. I'm going to ask Tim because I know Tim knows. Tim, what's the Lord? He's the ruler. Oh, he rules. I like that. Commander. That's a good one. What else is he? Huh? Owner. Yeah. He is, he's all of those things, but all those words sort of have the same understanding he's the master you know he's the one you know uh, he's yeah that's who he is he says i am the lord and you know why i told him that because he was about to prove it and that's what god wants to do for you again god wants to show you that he's lord and when you surrender your life to him and you allow him to have you and you allow him allow him to navigate your life for you, to, to take you through problems and situations and move you into, into the things that he is desiring to do through you. He will always be the way. He will always say, I am Lord. You got to understand, I am Lord. I'm Lord over everything. That's why it says in Romans, if God be for you, who can be against you? Amen. I know we use that in other ways, mostly today, but I like it this way. I like it, you know, he's Lord, he's God, he's for me. If he's called me, he's for me. If he said it, mm -mm -mm, I like it. God says, I will. I will. I am the Lord. Okay. So there we go. Keep going. I'm just reading the, the verses and I'm going to talk about them a little bit, okay? So if you take notes, write down whatever God speaks to you. He says, I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. He came to them and he revealed himself. And he revealed himself as, as, as God Almighty. Not Lord, God Almighty. It's another name. He says, he, wanted, he showed him in his strength. He showed him in his power. And he began to have a relationship with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You know? And he says, I, re, I, I came to them as God Almighty. But by my name, Lord, I was not known to them. So now we're in a place where God is actually bringing revelation to, an, to a man that's going to actually come 
through this man a revelation of who God is. And I want you to know that that's the exact calling that God has on all of our lives. You and I are to be the representatives of Jesus Christ. You and I are to be the reflection of the Lord. You and I go out into the darkness and we show the world who really owns the world. Who really operates it? Who really gets things done? You understand what I'm saying? When God says it, it will take place. He watches over. This is my favorite verse in the whole Bible. Now you know what it is. It's over there in Isaiah 55. He says, I watch over my word to perform it. One of the greatest weaknesses within the body of Christ today is the church is is, is thinking that God is going to watch over your word to perform it. Your word. Man, you're out there making all kind of statements and, and all, uh, and, and this, I'm not, a, I, I like the word declaration, so don't, don't take this wrong. But we've made more declarations, you know, the body of Christ I've been in prayer meetings where they bound every demon in my town, you know, and I go back to the next meeting and they got to rebind them. And then I go back again and they're rebinding them. And they're going back and again. I mean, there's so much binding of demons going on in my town that it should be the only town in America that has no demons in it at all. (laughs) But unfortunately, But when God says, when the Lord speaks through you, in every situation, I want you to know them demons are bound. When God speaks, the demons has to go, if that's what God, you cast them out. He speaks the word, and the word has authority and power. That's why when we're reading in Philippians today, I think it was in Philippians you know, no, it was in Galatians, Galatians 2.20. Who said that today? Yes, what does it say? Amen. I think he probably speaks through you. Because he lives in you and you're no longer alive. I don't like it when dead people speak. And we've got a lot of dead people speaking. Come on, somebody should be jumping an amen on that one. And when I speak things that are dead, just come and tell me. Say, man, that was like death. There was no Jesus on that at all. Jesus said, my words are what? Spirit and life. Let's say it all. Spirit and life. So anyhow, what verse are we on? <laughs> See, I got to be careful because when I preach, it's usually three, four hours overseas. <laughs> it says, I have also established my covenant with them to give, the, give them the land of Canaan. Now, now, you see, Moses is out there. He wants to rescue his people, but the people really aren't his. The people belong to God. But since Moses is a part of that people, God wants them to know that you're my people also. You ever see that commercial, I'll bring my people, you bring your people? When God says, I'll bring my people, guess who he brings? Me. How about you? Does he bring you? Oh, come on, then say it. Does he bring you? Hallelujah. Amen. 
And this is what God's saying to Moses. He, he's, just, he's just giving him a little, can you click back on that other one? He's just giving him a little bit of a, an understanding. He's, hey, you're, you're a covenant guy, you know, and I'm the covenant keeper. I promised your forefathers, Canaan, I promised them a land full of milk and honey. And I watch over my word to what? To perform it. I haven't forgotten my word. I'm the Lord and I'm going to do it. I'm not a man that I should lie. All these things, we, we've got to have these scriptures down inside of us. Young people, if you have anything, I, if you're going to college, and I don't care how smart that college professor sounds, or the literature you read, if it doesn't line up with what God has said, it's the foolishness of this world. And I'm going to speak to another word for you. Christians, you and I have to be careful of, of a word that we're, many people are running to and flocking to and thinking that this is the new move of God, and it's called social justice. God believes in social justice. God's the author of social justice. But it's not the social justice that you are hearing and seeing today. So be careful. I want you to know the justice of God leaves no man or woman out. Yes. Oh, it doesn't. I mean, the justice of God is so, so fair, so, so mm, right on. <laughs> so I just want you to be careful. Don't, don't get into all of these charismatic, charisma politicians. I don't care who they are, you know. Republican, Democrat, you know, just get into the redeemed party, you know, get in the party of the Lord. But the only way you can be functionable in the party of the Lord is if you yourself have invested in the word of God. You've got to know the word of God. You got you got to study the word of God. You, you know, and, and I'm not talking about reading some favorite author's book. We don't follow authors. Many people do. I mean, some people read Bill Johnson so much, and he is a great author. I read him. But guess what? He's not my God. And there's times that he says stuff, and I go, wait a minute. Is that what it really says? And sometimes it is. And I thought, how'd you miss that? There's other times I think, mm-mm. Mm-mm. Red flag. Let's, let's check the rest of this out. Why? Because God is the Lord. I am the Lord. So you got to, you got to, to Pastor said, and I, and I thank him for it. He says that, you know, he, he, has, he honors the word. Or you said, I have a passion for the word of God. I do. When I got saved, that's one of the things God gave me. I came home saved, you know, one day you know, strung out, one, you know, all kind of messed up in every way. I come home, my wife thought I was flying high on drugs. She did. She thought well, he's on LSD or something for sure. You know, and all I was was in Jesus. He was in me, and trust me, I was in him. And he gave me a hunger for the word. I was out every night. Looking for a Bible study, a prayer group, you know, just hungry for. I had all kind of notes, and 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 uh, that was back when they had 
Derek Prince and all these people, you know, teaching. And I started, you know, like four days saved and started learning about demonology. And that was a wrong place to start, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, you know, next minute I know I'm outside shaking in fear because what is this stuff, you know? But God helped me. <laughs> yeah, the Lord helped me. But he gave me a hunger for his word. Do you have a hunger for God's word? A hunger for it. And if you don't understand it when you're hungry, you know, do you ever get somebody serve you something? And you look at it, and you look at them, and you look back down at it, and then you look at them again, and you say, what is this? God doesn't mind it. If when you're reading the Word of God, and you read it, you read it again, and you look at them, and you say, what is this? I don't understand this. And then the Lord says, oh, well, you know, brother so-and-so might be able to help you out. I used to go to a man by the name of Al Getter. I'll never forget him. And I don't mind saying his name because this man helped me to understand the word of God. Helped me come out of darkness into light. Taught me truth so I could be free. He was a part of God's provision for the hunger that he gave me for his word. I would, I would drive up to his house. He'd be eating dinner, and he'd say, just go downstairs and wait for me. I'll finish my dinner. I'll be down. I could call him day, night, anytime. And he was there for me. And he'd open up the word. And the Lord would speak to me. I want to speak to a couple of you. If you're chasing revival... That's a good thing. But you know, I've been through at least three or four revivals in my lifetime. I hope some of you young people experience revivals. Amen. Some, maybe we can just say you experience encounters with God, deep encounters with God yes. that transform your life. Hello? So anyhow, where was I going with that? What was that? Revival. Revival. Revival is not laughter. It's not. I've been through, I've been on the floor. I've been so drunk, I haven't been up for hours. I've been pinned down. I've been walking across the floor preaching and have the floor disappear, which means I just go right out. I've had my church was in it and everything else. But revival is when you return to God. Yes. And I had many people in my own church when we were pastoring who loved what the Holy Spirit was doing, but they never returned to God. Never. Marriages broke up. All kind of crazy things. I don't want to get into it. But that's not what revival is. Revival is returning to God. And then when you return to God, you let God do what he wants. Now, I'm going to tell you, it's getting time for me to stop, so I'm going to tell you what God wants. He wants you to become Enoch. 
just they went out for a walk one day. And he loved God. So he walked with God a lot of days. But one day he walked with God and he was just so wanting more of God that he no longer was. It says that he never came back from that walk. He just went with Jesus. True revival is when you don't come back from your time on the floor with Jesus. But Jesus comes up in you. Galatians chapter 2. It's no longer I that live it, but it's Christ that lives in me. And then, I want revival for, for Melbourne, but I don't know how it's going to look. Except that if it's true revival, it's going to look like Jesus. It's going to look like Jesus. And if you know what he looks like, You'll be able to recognize it and enjoy it and go with it. Hmm. Praise you, Lord. Where are we going, Holy Ghost? Hmm. In the oh, 50 years. I've been walking with God now. It's been 50 years. I want you to know that we have seen thousands of people come to Christ through our ministry or just personal witnessing and things of that. But only God gets the glory. I could stand here and tell you story after story, story after story of healings. Today we write books about them. Now we have healing. We've become specialists, like the hospitals. We have, I don't want to go down there. I'm just saying that wherever I go, I go expecting Jesus to do whatever he wants to in that ministry. And many times he heals sick people, broken people. In our ministry, we have seen, I can't tell you how many demons come out of people. Now, I know in this church, there's never any demons in people, because you're all so good. Amen? I didn't hear one amen. I thought we were going to have a deliverance service. Oh. <laughs> We ought to talk about demons sometime. Everybody thinks demons, you have to be possessed. You don't have to be possessed. There's a lot of people who are just demon harassed. But they still need deliverance. Because they don't know how to, to get rid of the harassment. And then the harassment creates patterns in their life. Yeah. You know, I'm going to end here. Randy Clark's ministry that's coming here to... Um, Freedom Chapel, I was back in Harrisburg, that's where I live, many, many years ago when I was pastoring back there. Um, Randy came to town first time to a place called Life Center, and 
all us pastors were hosting them. So I got to go and spend the time. And I was, uh, <laughs> I was put in charge of the deliverance room. So I figured, you know, we'd, uh, we'd have one or two people, you know, we'd have to, to minister to maybe a night. No big deal. So he's in there the first night, and he, we're praising God, and we're doing all this stuff. And, you know, Randy always taught on the prodigal son. He'd teach it every night. It was amazing how God would just use that. Same sermon. It was just amazing. But then he, this, this night, he talked about demons, <laughs> you know, how... Uh, People were living in the pig pen, and they, they smelled like pig. They didn't know it. They even could remember what dad's house used to be like. But the shame that was on them was preventing them to come back to receive the love that was waiting for them. In fact, if you read the prodigal son, that's what they, he said. He said, in my father's house, even the servants get better. And when he comes back, he says, I'm not worthy to be a son. And his brother said, amen. <laughs> That's another story. <laughs> but the father, mm -mm, the father came out and hugged him. You know, when father hugs you with pig dirt on you, the pig dirt leaves. And the fragrance of the king, the fragrance of the Lord comes on you. It does. And you, you come out just with the fragrance of the Lord all over you. And then he takes those raggedy old clothes that the devil clothed you with. Now today it's hard to know who is who because some of you young people again have such ragged clothes that you go out and pay money for. <laughs> Just slits everywhere. It's beyond me. I told you, I'm old school, old fashioned. You know, but he just... He just calls for his servants to come and clothe them with the, with the robes. And, and, and the father is so happy. And, and the son is, you know, receiving his inheritance back that he had spent. <laughs> father says, no problem. I got good investors. And I have made it all back for you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But you know what he was? He was delivering him. He was delivering him. From the demons that were attached to his life. The darkness. The feelings. So anyhow, I'll get back to Randy. You think I forgot about that. I'm not that old. But I got to stop. So, Anyhow, Randy stands up and he says, all right. He says, I'm going to pray. Everybody stand. And he says, and when I get done praying, everybody who falls out, falls flat in their face, falls down. I want the ushers to take them to the deliverance room. Now today we would all be saying, oh, glory to God, they fell down. <laughs> Randy said, no, God, this is how God's going to mark them tonight. You'll know who needs deliverance. He prays. He prayed. And I'm telling you, people began to drop like flies. You know, boop, boop. And I'm ahead of the deliverance room. You know, and we got about two or three workers. And that night, I mean, there was like a thousand people there. But that night, we had 200 people in our deliverance room. I wonder how many are here today. We didn't know it. They didn't know it. 
They knew that they had problems with sin. They knew they had this or that. But they didn't understand that they had a harassing, demonic presence on their life. They weren't possessed in here. But they had, had something that was attached to them, more like a leech. Comes and attached, sucking the life out of you. I don't even know why I'm telling you this story. I think it's because we're going to go back to worship. <laughs> and this altar is going to be open. Some of you need to come and ask the Lord to forgive you for ignoring the call that God had on your life many years ago. And you've ignored it. And you invested your life somewhere else. Just repent of it. Because God's saying, my door's not closed. Right. It might look a little different now, but it's not closed to you. Amen. Some of you need to come and pray and repent. How many of you know what repentance is? Yeah. But there's something else that's attached to it. The Lord says, it's my goodness. So it's the goodness of God that brings you to repentance. So repentance is the goodness of God. It's not the anger of God. It's the goodness of God. And God is just trying to say to you today, some of you need to repent and say, Lord, forgive me that I haven't invested any time in your word. I go to church. I depend on them to teach me. And whatever they tell me, I go, yep. <laughs> okay. Jesus said, follow me. Not any man. You need to check everything out I said today. Follow me. You know, and, then, and just come and say, Lord, please help me create in me a hunger for your word. Some of you need to do that. Just say, God, I want a hunger for your word. And then the last thing is this. Some of you have been walking with habits that are not of the kingdom of God, that are of this earth. They, they come from sin, from nature. How many of you know we all have that? Yes. All of us. But Jesus comes to give you authority over that sinful nature. You don't have to follow your sinful nature. When you're saved and redeemed. God's in you. The Lord. The Lord is in you. The one who says, I will. God's saying that to you today. I will deliver you if you come. I will break this thing off you if you come to me. I will. And there's, there's all kinds of things. Maybe you lose your anger all the time. Don't have to be horrible. It could be that you're judgmental all the time. Guess who had to pray about that one and get delivered? There are things that God wants to help you with today. So what do you say, Pastor, we go to worship?
And we let God do his work. Amen? Thank you.